You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Farad Zengana, Medical Director of the Endocrine Diabetes and Osteoporosis Clinic, EDOC, in Sterling, Virginia. Dr. Zangana also serves on the Board of Directors of the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, AACE. I'm Dr. Farhad Zangane, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Yuda Handelsman, Medical Director at the Medical Institute of America, past president of the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, and chair program director of the annual World Congress on Insulin Resistance, Diabetes, and CBD. And today we are discussing the recent growing concerns between diabetes, anti-diabetes agents, and an increased prevalence of various cancers. Currently available data are limited, controversial, and confusing. ACE and healthcare providers believe that this is a critically important area that needs further clarification. As a matter of fact, ACE held a consensus conference on this subject, diabetes and cancer, in September in New York City. So it is my pleasure today to uh, welcome my friend, Dr. Handelsman, to the program to uh, explore this topic and share some insight with us uh, regarding the subject. Dr. Handelsman, welcome to the program. Thank you. I indeed agree that this is uh, a very important topic, and uh, congratulations with your show, and let's go forward. What I was first wondering about is, what are the epidemiologic and statistical methods to evaluate cancer development in the first place? Because this should be probably very difficult to tease out all the information available and try to sort it out. Well, you're very right, and I think that's quite the issue. So for many years, we were very much uh, concerned about the fact that uh, we believe that there is more cancers in people that have diabetes. Uh, that's been going on and. Uh, uh, there were some uh, publications on that, but it was not very clear uh, how many cancers, uh, what kind of cancers. Uh, several years ago, the American Cancer Institute um, uh, published uh, an epidemiological studies, and so you know they, they look at last large groups of patients and they come out with numbers. No, really excellent one cohort of patients that would tell us how much cancer there is. But they looked at people with obesity and cancer, and they found out that in the United States, there are over 100,000 cancers every year that are associated with obesity. The number one cancer they saw was breast cancer. And the number two cancer was colon cancer, and then they saw also pancreatic cancers, um, gallbladder cancer, and egg cancer, and others. It's very interesting that there's some conflicting report on prostate cancer uh, that may or may not be as prevalent in people with obesity and diabetes. Uh, other people try to look at other large groups, uh, like uh, Dr. Wayne from uh, England, actually, he did a big cohort in England England, looking at people with diabetes, trying to compare them to people that have uh, obesity, and he felt that there was some increased level uh, of uh, cancers uh, coming out in diabetes compared to people with obesity. And then came the question of, is it all maybe just insulin resistance related, and maybe that would be the correct link between obesity and diabetes. 
diabetes. And here, Dr. Zenganer, it's become very tough to differentiate and to try to find out um, if it's the insulin resistance. So does glucose address and increase uh, the amount of cancer? So we know that there are cancers. We know that the numbers are very, very high. It's very clear by the data that we saw about a month ago that as people move from obesity to diabetes, that's more cancers. We brought the question, is it glucose affecting that? But that's now become the pathophysiology aspect of the issue. And then people with diabetes do get treatment. And so the question was, does management of diabetes also contribute to the developing of cancers? So you were very correct. The epidemiology, accuracy of that epidemiology, and ascertaining which part we have to look at has been very complicated. Uh, in 
cancer. So I will tell you that epidemiologically, again, there is some data from the Women Health Initiative uh, where they look at uh, women and breast cancer, and they look at three aspects that could, could cause uh, cancer. Estrogen, which is also a growth hormone. Uh, insulin, which is a growth hormone, as you said. Or uh, IGF-1, which is a growth hormone. Now, is it enough to have a growth hormone to cause cancer? This is, you know, this is a very important question. In other words, let's say insulin can cause increase in growth of something, but what causes the cell to become an oncocell? What causes transformation? And the data about, and now we're looking at pathophysiology and actually molecular biology, but you're asking me, can insulin, whether endogenous, or can insulin, whether exogenous, at the high dose, can cause a transformation of a cell from normal cell to oncocell. And I don't know that anybody has this data. By the way, the same story with estrogen. Always was the question about estrogen. Does estrogen cause the development of breast cancer, or does it unmask it? and in fact causes further, a faster increase in the progression of uh, cancer but does not cause the cancer itself. No one has answers on this lateral, no one has an answer on the insulin itself. However, at least in the World Health Initiative, Roin Slobovsky is one of the lead authors uh, of uh, one of the principal investigator, investigators, and I think he published about a year ago, or and a half ago, and he said, and according to their data, uh, and that's obviously an epidemiological kind of data, what they saw was that they think that it is insulin that is causing it. Well, what do we see? Why is the issue? If there is insulin resistance, hyperinsulinemia, how can insulin do anything? Because the reason insulin goes up in level is because it is not able to help the muscle, let's say, absorb or or get in glucose level, right? It does not uh, allow the fat to incorporate uh, any kind of, incorporate glucose into the fat does, or incorporate, or it does not perhaps reduce glucose output from the liver. So why is that happening? Because it's a strong resistance at the level of the muscle and of the liver and of the fat. So if there's such a resistance that we need so much higher levels of um, uh, insulin, why could we even think that it will do anything elsewhere? This is because we believe that different tissues have different response to insulin. And a tissue like the ovary can be very insulin sensitive while the muscle is very insulin resistant. The pancreas can be also uh, insulin-sensitive thyroid. So glands can be actually quite sensitive, while other organs may be more resistant. But what determines need for more insulin level are the resistance organs. And so what you do, you've got the resistance organ, you get so much more insulin level, that activates insulin sensitive organs and so 
six years ago, I published first time seven years ago, that there is more culture, more enlarged thyroid in people with obesity and insulin resistance. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Farhad Zangane, and I'm speaking with Dr. Yuda Handelsman on the subject of diabetes and cancer. Uh, so we kind of talked earlier, diabetes and cancer, there's a lot of confusing information, insulin resistance, and of course, on top of that, um, on top of all of this uh, confounding factors and unknown is, do diabetes medications, does our treatment uh, also play a role? So how do you translate all this information in your clinical practice, and how do you balance this? Because as you know, uh, many of our uh, patients have to listen to these ads on the radio about the relationship of, uh, for example, a couple of agents with pancreatic cancer, agent with bladder cancer cancer, and etc. So uh, which came first, the chicken, the egg, or the rooster? So can you uh, enlighten us, please? Yeah, well, so what you're having here, uh, as I said, diabetes, uh, obesity, and insulin resistance, they're all intertwined. So endogenous insulin, uh, high level of insulin, could perhaps be implicated to some level, but maybe causing some cancer. So the question, can exogenous insulin do that? So four, five, Years ago, three, four years ago, rather, that there was some epidemiological data primarily from Europe to show that maybe insulin level, uh, insulin treatment can cause it. And in particular, one insulin analog was implicated in maybe doing that more than other insulin. And they were looking at some uh, pathophysiology and saying, oh, you know, that insulin may bind stronger to the IGF-1, as you suggested, uh, Dr. Zangani. So uh, basically... Uh, they were implemented, uh, implicated in that. On the other hand, medication like metformin can be protective. And so is it possible that people on insulin metformin have less cancers than just insulin itself? And so what you have is that metformin was protective, not that insulin was causation. No one looked at that. So uh, our, our culture has become such that the FDA is very averse to risk. And the news are very happy and with lots of uh, risk-frightening uh, headlines. And because of that, every uh, couple of months, you get new news, which a lot has nothing to do with diabetes and insulin resistance. So in a high insulin level, so all of a sudden, insulin, which you were looking at just a drug itself, you mentioned other cancers like bladder cancer with pyoglitazone. So can pyoglitazone cause better cancer? So some very strange epidemiological data said maybe it can do it in humans. We, we did see that in animals, not in humans. And I will tell you, we've got now eight years old data that probably take that risk away. Yet pyoglitazone, there is data to show that it reduces cancer of the pancreas. Uh, there is some studies with rosiglitazone, which is a TCD and pyoglitazone, to show also perhaps reduction in cancers of uh, even colon and other cancers. So we never balance risk and benefit. Another study, uh, another medication that was studied called dapapitazone, you know, there's no relationship to diabetes or obesity or the cancers. All of a sudden, it seems that maybe this drug causes cancer within three to six years. Okay, here's the question. Can this drug cause cancer within three to six months? I apologize. For some trial for one year. Inverse cancer of all of it which has nothing more to do with diabetes and obesity. So 
here is the answer. The answer is the editorial called Origin. I'm sure you heard about Origin. And we just talked to Dr. Kurtzel Gerson, one of the best investigators of that. And they published it in six or seven years. And there was no increased cancer with insulin glogin. That the insulin was implicated in causing cancer. So it was com- implicated for causing cancer looking at studies of one to three years. And yet, after the five to seven years to show that it did not cause cancer, I said, oh, but you need many more years to cause cancers. Yeah, you need many more years than one to three or five years cancers. So I will tell you this. I have not seen any reasonable data to show that any of the drugs that we manage cancers, uh, manage diabetes, can cause cancers. Dr. Handelsman, you're a wealth of information. So we have come to the end of our time, but I really thank you today for being with us and uh, look forward to uh, chatting more on this subject as well as other subjects in the near future. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download this segment, go to reachmd.com forward slash diabetes.